You're listening to The Elephant Test. We're dedicated to the B2B marketing community and here to explore the practices, thoughts, and ideas of effective B2B marketing executives. Hi, this is Sky Cassidy and Hi, guys. Uh, thank you for joining us for The Elephant Test. Today, we'll be talking uh, about email marketing content best practices with uh, Laura Lopuch. 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 Right, Laura? Lopuch? <laughs> you got it. You nailed it. First uh, try. Congrats. <laughs> yes, on the first try. Exactly. As far as anyone knows. Um, Alicia, you want to take it away with the bio? Laura is an email conversion engineer. She helps startups and SaaS companies attract new leads via outreach emails and converts free trial users into paying customers. That's, you know, a miracle right there. She swears by her storytelling approach. So each email is got to take action persuasive. Laura, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you too for having me. I am so excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on with us. Um, I'm putting really up excited with Sky's to talk about bad this. pronunciation of your yeah. last name. <laughs> I do it on purpose. That's why I could pronounce it right if I wanted to. Um, so the first thing that jumps to mind to me is uh, kind of your expertise in, in content and converting emails, and how that. I, I just immediately think software as a service when I uh, when I when I see where your expertise is. But before we get into that, um, I always want to kind of know a little bit more about where you come from, how you got where you are, that kind of stuff. Sure. That's a good question. Um, so basically, I I didn't start off in SaaS or software as a service. Um, I actually started off in the dark and murky world of litigation. I was a... Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I worked with totally lawyers. It's totally natural to go from one place to the next. Everybody of that course. works in litigation, yeah. <laughs> natural next step, upwards and onwards. Yeah. So I was a, a senior litigation paralegal. I worked with um, attorneys, like I said, and I dealt with civil civil cases, not criminal. Thank goodness. I think those are really, really emotionally fraught and a little dangerous, to be honest. But I worked with civil cases. So like if you got in a car accident and you um, say you rear-ended someone and you ended up being sued because it was kind of a nasty accident or maybe you had someone like your paper boy slip on ice outside of your house and he decided to sue you because he broke his ankle. Those are the scenarios that, um, that I worked on those cases. The and scenarios stuff. that no yeah. one, everyone no. just like prays. God, I hope that never happens to me. Which side exactly. were you on? Were you? I was on the good side. The good side. We fought against fine. the dark arts. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So you were protecting the homeowner against the robber who fell through the skylight, basically. Yes, yes. And there are some crazy, crazy cases out there. Um, people have an unbelievable amount of nerve to sue for a lot of stupidity on their part, to be honest with work? you. So this is off track from the traditional B2B marketing. Yeah. Least, but it's too fascinating. Who usually brought these? Did a lawyer find the guy and say in the hospital and say, oh, hey, what happened? I think I might be able to squeeze something here. Or did the guy go to a lawyer? The guy usually goes to the lawyer. Um, I don't have a lot of insight onto that side because they were, you know, the dark side. So, they were the dark side. but a lot of times, like say you're driving down the, the interstate and through a big city and you see those huge billboards for, you mm-hmm. know, body bird, um, I was actually just in Vegas and there was a lot of, you know, injury related billboards lining the interstate there, <laughs> oddly enough, wonder why. So those, those are the types of billboards that people I think would usually respond to. And then they'd come into the plaintiff's plaintiff's office. And then I imagine there'd be a conversation and they'd see if they could squeeze any money out of the case. So they were driving home from the from the being like booked in the county jail uh, with a failed robbery, and they were like, "I'm out all this money I should have stole from these people. How do should I recover it?" <laughs> and they see the billboard. I've heard people say that TV used to be a lot of like daytime TV used to be a lot mm-hmm. of like, "Hey, do you need to learn a trade?" Um, and billboards were a lot of that kind of stuff. And now it's all, "Do you need some easy money? Is something wrong with you? Is mm-hmm. somebody else's fault?" You can sue. It's, don't, yep. don't get off your couch. Call us. The yep. Yeah. Yep, that's, Call us from so your couch. How often your do these, like, you know, the stupid ones, not the ones that, like, okay, he had a legitimate case, but, like, the stupid things, how often do they win? The cases, <laughs> the 
Well, a lot of times, like the little secret about the litigation world is a lot of times the case never actually goes to trial. Um, right. They the usually settle out of court. And so they're just looking for, yeah, they're looking to say, what's your legal yeah. cost going to be? Okay, we'll yeah. settle for a fraction. And there's yeah. a lot of, lot of factors involved in like how, how that's that end settlement number comes about. But um, so like to answer your question, Alicia, it's really hard to say how, how many times like quote the bad guys win, but our, our whole job was to make sure that they, they didn't get a lot of money because we were representing the insurance company of our client. So our job was to protect their interests. In this other is words, where Batman goes. I want to see the next right? Batman. I want the bad guys, just a whole bunch of people who do these these little BS lawsuits. Batman, Batman just go, yeah, he just go hunts, he hunts them down and buries them. Like there you go. It's, it's a real weird version of Batman thinking, until it's kind of dark, but he just occasionally. Batman in a suit with the little oh, no, no. He shows up at their house and he's like, hey, that lawsuit's BS. <laughs> <laughs> and he takes them out. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. Like pre, pre trial. He doesn't, you can't wait. You know, he's got to have right. Laura. He needs some inside info from you. Right. Yeah, really. Her, but, Give yeah. me a call, Batman. If you're listening, <laughs> I will answer your questions. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, we, we how that relates we'll to, to email. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let me make that connection for you. <laughs> so, a lot of times, you know, um, a lot of times people didn't want to do things that we needed them to do in order to prove their case. So, I was asking clients like opposing counsel, doctors, um, experts in the field to come in and do stuff that they normally didn't want to do, like hunt down documents that were a couple years old, go go find witnesses, that kind of thing. And often I was doing it by email. Um, documentation is huge in the in the legal field. You got to CYA all the time. So I was using email. It was a perfect way to to document. And over time, my emails became more and more persuasive. So I was spending less time um, kind of closing the sale, so to speak, getting my clients to do the things that they didn't really want to do or opposing counsel or a doctor to free up an hour in his already packed schedule for a deposition. So you how to be very efficient in email yep. Through, yep. through this kind of, how to get your message across, That's get the really response. That's a interesting yeah. way into this. I like Isn't it? Cool. Backdoor, man. <laughs> Backdoor, yeah. So sure. at, some, at some point you were like, you know what? I'm really good at this email thing. Or did somebody else look at you and say, how are you doing this? How did you make that jump yeah. to saying, I'm sick of dealing with these I scumbags. I monetize this. Uh, <laughs> I, I assume you lost one case to somebody and just didn't want to do it anymore or something like I can't no. take this <laughs> actually there was no was losing on batman yeah no batman losing. did not show up yeah Bruce once Wayne. you got batman on the job yeah they didn't need you anymore right right no actually the the logistical next step if i wanted to progress in the field was to go to law school and quite frankly lawyers have homework every night of the week and i was not interested in that kind of lifestyle so yeah I was looking for another way to use these skills that I built up over almost 10 years in the litigation field and emails and SAS, two of my favorite things. Woohoo. So I, was right. I on that, that software as a service is kind of your, the niche for your, uh, what you, uh, what you do? It is. And also startups. I really like working with startups. A lot of times those go hand in hand, but sometimes they don't. Yeah. I mean, I guess email conversion for soft, when you converts, you really do want it. If you can convert it directly into just going to a site, signing up for the service, yeah. that's the, the ideal trackable uh, thing there. Yeah, exactly. So Laura, you specialize in email marketing, but you know, yep. there's a lot of people out there saying that email marketing is dying. Is email marketing dying? Heck no. I think email marketing is still as strong as ever. And actually I think it's stronger in this world. Like we're getting bombarded by so many different advertising messages, so many different emails. Um, I just read a report that said, I think in 2019, the amount of emails that we're expected to get every day in our inbox is going to be like around 110 or something like that. Like that's a lot of emails. So when she said email marketing is dying, I think she was quoting me from the last podcast. Nah. So that's not her nah. I've no. said, I mean, we're in this business and I've said, I wouldn't say there it's dying, but its effectiveness is diminishing. Just like anything, when it's yeah. when it I mean, first comes true. in new, 
people aren't ready for it. They don't have their guard up. They don't have systems to, you know, prevent the, the message from getting across. So I think it's more competitive now than ever. It's more important that, you know, you used to be able to just jump on and anybody could, you know, it was easy pickings. But now you, yeah, have, you I have totally to really agree. know what you're doing, which is great for you because you really know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, like there's going to be over a hundred emails coming into our inboxes supposedly in just a few short years, which if you think about it, that actually makes your job. If you're sending out emails for your job or your company, it makes it a ton, ton easier. If you follow just a couple simple rules, because right away, those rules will set your email above all the other garbage that's coming in. It's like, think about the Super Bowl ads that you see, um, some of them are good, but you always remember the best ones out of the bunch, like the ones that connected with you, the ones that touched a chord in your heart. Like I'm thinking about the Budweiser ads with the puppies. I mean, come on, you know, like the little right, puppy right. who's trying to find his way back to the home, the, the farm, like you're going to remember the good emails in your inbox and you're going to forget about all the other ones, the garbage. So yeah. I have a it does make it a lot easier. Emails. That I that mm-hmm. I liked something about the email. It doesn't matter yeah. anything about the email I liked. I I put them in a folder. I make sure I don't That's filter smart. spam out because I want to see all the junk people are sending to see <laughs> if they have good ideas I can steal. Well, so the difference yeah. here is that I uh, you know I, I know that's just an illustration, but with the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl already has our attention, and mm-hmm. you can't just skip the commercials if you're watching it in real time. In email, there's nothing that's really forcing us to open those emails. So maybe the nope. first question is, how do we get people to open those emails? That is a good question. And my answer is that you need to make your subject line and your from name work together. Um, for instance, you know, you, a lot of people look at their emails on their smartphones, right? I'm sure you guys do. Okay. I do quite often. And actually the first thing, like I'm going to unlock my phone right now and look at my email. And the first thing that pops in, the first thing is the from name. So I'm looking immediately scanning through my emails, looking for a name that I either recognize Uh or entices me enough to look at the subject line. So straight off the bat, your from name should work uh, powerfully so that your email reader is looking at your subject line. A lot of people think like subject lines are are where you should focus your attention and that's how you get people to open your emails. Uh It's true, they do make people open your emails, but the from name is kind of a, what do you call it, a diamond in the rough? Right. So I've heard people say that the from name needs to be a person, not like it does on behalf of or some other just kind of generic uh, marketing ad or something like that. But it just occurred to me as you were saying this, you know, we our from name will be the same person for a long time. And Mm -hmm. is it a good idea to change that that name up every once in a while so people don't just start keying in on that? You know, maybe they've seen your message over and over again and eventually they might come through they might come through to whatever your your newest message is but if there's mm-hmm. you know i know i i have creative that i or not creative emails that come to me that i just recognize immediately i don't even look at them anymore because i've seen that mm-hmm. that from it's like when your your phone rings you see a number you're like i know that number and i know i don't want to answer it kind of right, yeah. what you're describing right now is essentially bad emails that i don't want to open and i am pretty sure the point mm-hmm. of today's topic is to make emails consistently that people will want to open. Right. And so that's true. But but how do you, but how do you like, what if you've been sending bad emails and people haven't been opening your emails and you want to change, you know, change and get people to to start opening a bad email for one person will be a good, that's why you have different creatives. Like it will be good mm -hmm. for someone else. So maybe your messaging, your subject line wasn't clicking with them in the past, but now you have a new campaign that's going to bring in a different kind of people, but you're using the same from email. So they're mm-hmm. just automatically recognizing and, and tossing it. Yeah. I, I say test those from names out, test them out, see if maybe, you know, John at company name would perform better than John last name. Or um, I've seen emails that say like John, with 
you know, company name or John's CEO of company name. Um, test all those variations out and see what resonates because people are really interested in what what's relevant to them. They don't really care about you. So if you test out different from names and figure out what is relevant, kind of like what Sky was talking about, one from name might resonate with a different segment of your audience. Make a note of that and then see if you can optimize it a little further and get even more relevant to your email reader. That's going to be the key, like not personalization, but being relevant because people care about themselves at the end of the day. It sounds harsh, but it's actually quite true. Oh, no, I love it when people think like, oh, I'm going to go on social media and put this up and everybody you know, I'm going to say, Hey, come check out my business. And people are going to be interested. Mm -hmm. Like, no, no, no. You have to appeal to something they want. <laughs> Nobody goes yeah. on LinkedIn to find people to sell to them. Kind of. That's just yeah, what no. people are there for. No, definitely. No. So okay. something that you said, um, you, you talk about all of these different from names, but they're all specifically, you know, a name rather than like a just the company name, which makes mm -hmm. me think, um, and, and to my understanding, your expertise is in um, the kind of like appointment setting type things or the, the conversion versus mm -hmm. the uh, like newsletter type approach that's like, hey, you know, Ikea all the time. Ikea. Does that make sense? Right. It's not content. Yeah. It's direct right, right, response. Right. right. This is direct converting. response email. Exactly. Yeah. So this is yeah. specific to direct response. But I love what you just said also about it's not personalization, it's relevance. Mm -hmm. That is the quickest way to make friends, honestly. Like if I were to sit here and ask you guys lots of questions about yourselves, mm -hmm. you would come away loving me because we talked about, honestly, your favorite subject yourself. So do that in your emails and keep the focus squarely on your reader. Um, if you have a story to tell, try to tell it through the eyes of your reader and say, mm -hmm. like, imagine if you and then start telling the story instead of like last week I went to my coffee shop and the barista gave me the wrong coffee. Yeah. Mm. Try, to, so try to phrase it that way. Yeah. What would you do then? We're getting some gems here. I love that. Right. There you go. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so we've covered the from name. Now you mentioned make the from name and the subject line work together. Tell me a little more about how we yep. do that. Okay, so the subject line is going to be the second thing that your email recipients gonna read after that from name. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make it, I found a question works really well as a subject line. I've opened a lot of emails that have been sent to me cold where it's just a subject, where it, the subject is just a question. Mm. So if you use a question and if you can phrase it as like an open-ended question, like, are you sending blank to do this? And then the, your email reader is going to start wondering like, what am I sent? What should I be sending? Am I sending this? Um, and that blank will be something that relates to your product or your company. Obviously, you don't want to just insert the word blank into your subject line, right, right. but you could. I mean, honestly, you could test that subject line out and see if it works with your audience. It's really hard to say if something is going to land well or not until you test it out. But um, subject lines, if you're relevant to your reader, a lot of times I like to put... Um, like the company name in there, if I'm sending a cold email. Uh, but if you're relevant and you're pretty straightforward about what you're sending, mm -hmm. a lot of times your email will get open. Like for example, in, in the legal field, I would always reference like the case that I'm working on with this person and put like a slash uh, with whatever, whatever the topic is that I'm emailing them about. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So do you ever put, uh, sometimes here we'll put the person's uh, first name in the subject line. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've read that as well. That'd be interested in your opinion. Yeah. I, I have been on the receiving end of that kind of email and it definitely caught my attention. Um, in fact, the guy that emailed me repeated the subject line as his first line. So it was a nice kind of echo. Mm. Um, 
but it also kind of put me off. It was like, he didn't put enough thought into the email and the subject line to make them different. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, Oh, well, you're kind of just using my name. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're just kind of using my name as a shortcut. Aren't you? Yeah. Hmm. I, I guess you want to get people's attention, but you can't, you don't want them to feel tricked because you can yeah. trick people into opening an email pretty easily, but then they're going to despise oh, yeah. you instead of being interested, being interested in what you're saying. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. That's a great point. And that is excellent um, to note, like for subject lines, you should always, if you ask a question in your subject line, you should always try and like echo that question or your subject line in the body of your email. Cause otherwise people will feel manipulated. Like I have gotten emails where the subject line was like, you're doing this wrong. And I was like, excuse me. So I opened and the email like writer was like, I just wanted, you're not doing anything wrong. I just wanted you to open my email. And I was like, right. And that's, that actually violates the campaign. That's not cool. Like your subject line has to be relevant to the, to the email when you send unsolicited email. I I guess when you send email to people you already know, then you're just annoying uh, people that already know you, which is uh, just, right. just as bad. And let's but not even definitely... talk about the way that that's violating like your brand promise or I mean, just mm-hmm. all these different things that you want to be communicating, tricking it's people. generally a bad yeah. idea. I think yeah. we always tell definitely. people we have a kind of a 10 keys to email marketing where we give people tips on how to run the campaigns. And one of the things we tell them is the subject line needs to give just enough information um, to make people interested in finding out what's inside. But right. not so yes, much that they exactly. don't even look inside. Like if you write a book and no. everything they need to know is on the cover, right. nobody needs to open the book kind of. You just need to yeah. put enough on the cover, but it's got to be relevant. If the if the title doesn't match the content, people are going to be off put. Mm-hmm. Right, but the then wrong people are going to be opening. if, you know, I mean, yeah, if the title doesn't match the content, but or if, you know, you say that you have 10 keys to email marketing and you only have five, that's kind of mm-hmm. You too. could just play it off as being efficient. Yeah. No. <laughs> a really easy way to get around like that kind of disconnect between your subject line and your and your body mm-hmm. content of your email is to try like look down your email and it's usually towards the bottom there's like usually there's like a summary line it's mm-hmm. sometimes around your call to action and right. if you take that summary line and then remove the noun and replace it with this and then make it a question that's a really quick and easy way to get a subject line that directly relates to your to your email but also provides a little bit of mystery so people are like what is this that she's talking about i do want to open my email and read to get that question answered i like that you got a formula yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. so formulas are awesome i think we've kind of got the the from and the subject line Mm -hmm. covered a bit when it comes to the body of the email um, yes. and getting email creative that converts. Um, yep. what can you share with us trick wise there? One thing I'd like to throw out is I think that the way we met, I was actually listening to you speak on something and I'd always preach very heavily that emails need to be extremely short, like three, oh, yeah. three sentences. Oh yeah. No. Okay. Little story people, time. You have to when scroll I down, started the working first guy and sending email creatives, he would um, either just take them and run off with them and completely trash them and then send out his email, <laughs> or later he would take them and just like gut them and then give them back to me. And uh, yeah, so I was excited when I heard this story that he's about to tell. So <laughs> I guess most bad email content is, is long, but not all long email yep. content is bad. And right. the, the thing that right. you said, Laura, when I was listening to you was um, – there's no long emails, only boring ones. Yeah. Um, and that stuck with me. I hadn't really, I mean, when, once you said that, I started thinking about it. I said, oh yeah, I've seen long emails that, that actually mm-hmm. resonated with me. And I may not have read the whole thing, but I read a lot more. So I, I guess the, yeah. you know, the, uh, the action needs to be early on. There need, it needs to, to give something back to hook you early on. You know, I've also seen emails that had two paragraphs of story kind of leading into the why are you even reading this email? And I don't mm-hmm. feel like that would ever fly. But if you hook somebody first and then you have more information so that the people who are interested can get that more information, 
Um, I think that's what I saw in your content that really, really got my attention and kind of changed the way I thought about, you know, what, what you can do with email length. Yeah, that's a great point. Like emails are really fun because they, they tap into like storytelling. Like if you think about a movie trailer that you saw, they're not going to give you the backstory about the characters. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to jump right into the action. And it, Actually, not even just the trailer, like the actual movie itself. Like think about the last action movie that you saw or the last really good movie that you saw. They jump right into the middle of the action and then fill in the gaps as the story progresses. Right. You don't need to know that, you know, this guy's been divorced and his wife, da, 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 you know, fill in the blank. Right. You just need to, to start carrying immediately and get hooked into the story. And you can do that same thing with your emails. Like, you can write write the email the way that you would normally tell a story and then go in and edit and find that that section where things start to heat up and then delete everything that comes before it and then read back through your email and see where where you need to fill in the gaps mm-hmm. to make your reader follow the progression or your message that you're telling in your in your email and oftentimes it's only like maybe a word or a sentence or two compared to maybe the two paragraphs of text that you deleted from the top of your email. Right. Yeah. But if you, if you hook your email reader right off the bat, you don't have to write a short email. You can, if you want to, but you really don't have to, as long as it's interesting. And as long as it's relevant, your email reader is going to be right there with you through all of it. It reminds me, I I had a client that I was helping with their, with their email creatives. And they had these long write-ups they wanted to send out. Um, Mm -hmm. And what, what we did for them is we basically took the whole write-up. We found the most compelling part of it, like a couple sentences. We took that out as an excerpt, um, put it in the email and then just made a link below that to the rest of the, to read the whole thing. And it allowed us to to give them that. Yeah. Preview, basically the movie preview, you show them an exciting scene, you show them something Mm -hmm. that makes them want to go to the theater and see the whole thing. Right. And then it also actually right. drove the traffic to them as opposed to just, right. uh, you know, okay, they can see the content, but then. And to be clear, these emails should be the trailer because we're getting exactly. them to do something or respond or go see or go uh, read something, whatever it is. So these should be the trailers. I guess. For yes, they should. It's they the first step. For our company, typically, yeah. it's, it's the very first step. It's just the. Uh, you know, do you have any interest in receiving any information or something like that? Because it's a longer sales cycle. But I I think what's great about what you do, um, Laura, is the uh, the software as a service, when you're working with that, it's really a much bigger first step because you're jumping straight through to the sale kind of. You're jumping straight through to come to the site, make a quick decision on what this company does and, and, you know, sign up for the subscription or, or I guess it's a general model. So you're getting kind of conversions a lot faster. And it seems like your emails um, kind of require not just the initial, hey, we want to say hi, say hi back, but uh, um, you're having to do a much larger conversion. Yeah. And a key part of that, a lot of times my emails are sent out after someone signs up for a trial because they visited the website. So I'm, I'm trying to encourage them to to continue on this, this new path, this new behavior. And it, and it is quite hard to get someone to change their behavior. Like if you've ever had a difficult, a significant other, maybe who did things that you really didn't like, or maybe difficult (laughs) mother-in-law, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's hard to get people to change their behaviors. And, um, and so you need to, you need to kind of like lead them down the path and you need to have them, anticipate the end results by let's just take this little baby step here and try and and coax them along and a lot of times with like email marketing it it translates really well like if you're sending out emails for your company because your first step your first little coax to your email reader is just open my email right like baby just give me a shot yeah and then the very first sentence yep Yep. You're still yep, exactly. on that next tiny little step. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So we've talked, Laura, we've talked a little bit about the content, but we haven't really got into the nuts and bolts of it yet. Uh, I want to take a quick break here 
And then um, cool. after the break, we'll kind of go over the, you know, what to put into the email, how to, how to structure this, uh, this bad okay. boy to help get conversions. Okay. Okay, cool. Our episode today is brought to you by Engageo. If you're thinking about ABM and not sure how to start or which plays to run, Engageo just came out with a new playbook for marketers featuring 16 plays that have been tested in the field to get results. Check them out at Engageo.com orchestration. And we're back. Thanks for listening. We have Laura Lopich here with us, and we were about to launch into the nuts and bolts of email content in your email. So Laura, can you tell me what our first line should be? We've discussed (laughs) the subject. We've discussed the from. Now, how do I open the email? So you should open your email with some sort of hook, some sort of attention grabbing statement. A lot of times- you said hoax. (laughs) You said hook. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yes, hoax. No, please don't. You really want to, uh, you really want to grab your reader's attention. Like this is, this is your shot. They, they took a chance on you. They opened your email. So keep that momentum. Like, yeah, exactly. A lot of times it's, it's kind of fun to open up your email with maybe um, another question. If you didn't use one in your subject line, or you can open it up with maybe like a stat, like, did you know mm-hmm. that research says da, 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 da. Um, right. Or you can open up your email like we were talking about, open it up right in the middle of the action if you're going to tell a story. Uh, that mm-hmm. will help hook your reader quickly and move them right into the body of your, your, your email, which is exactly what your email should do. Like, Think about your email and every part of it having one job. So the front line, we've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but your front line, it's one job is to get your email reader to read your subject line. Your subject line's job is to get your first line read. And your first line's job is to get the next line read. And that job is to get the next line read. And it moves them all the way down your email and into your call to action. So each, it's a little less daunting to think about each line working in conjunction with the one right before it and having a job instead of like just looking at the blinking cursor and saying, I have no idea what to say. Right, each line is part of that baby step process. Yep, Yep, exactly. Something that always bothered me and I think the reason that uh, I always wanted such short emails is uh, in my mind, I'm always thinking like, how much time do I have with this person? Like they're they're gonna they're gonna bail. I only have so many seconds, you know, on a call. Well, that's when you because call somebody, you're a you have so many seconds. Writer. Yeah, <laughs> my, my writing's not very exciting. Yeah, so yeah I have limited a lot time. More interesting. <laughs> how long does uh, it to take them to, to reach to their mouse? Is what I want to know. Right. Uh, I, I did a write up one time. It's called "Gone in Six Seconds" um, because I saw that was kind of the amount of time you have to hook somebody on a call. Now on an email. I imagine it's different. I've never really dug into the email. I just, I always thought of it as you have kind of one and a half sentences, maybe hook them to get yeah. their attention. So yeah, if you start out with something, if you have a lot of setup in there, um, I, I guess, you, you know, you, you risk losing them before you even get to the, what you want them to see. Exactly. And if you keep it relevant about your, your, your reader, it's going to work a lot better. Um, Really, don't be thinking about writing to a lot of people. Think about the one reader that you want to to read your email and then write just to them, just to them. So it's a lot easier when you're writing to like a friend Mm. or your mom in an email versus writing to like 10,000 people and I don't know who I'm talking to. It's a lot like when when you give a speech, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever given a speech, but like, a lot of times the advice is pick one person in the audience and deliver your speech to them. Mm-hmm. That's the same idea. Figure out your one reader and just write your email to them. It'll make it tons easier. And you'll also know about how long you should make your email. Mm. If you have a clear idea in your head of who you're writing to, you'll know how to speak to that person. Like you might use language or a tone or slang that you wouldn't use with maybe your mom or your brother or your neighbor. 
So once you start thinking like that, it makes it a lot easier. And that also brings us back to the very basic, again, speech uh, principle of know your audience. Yes. And so um, I wonder if doing audience profiles or um, what are they called, where you make like a specific – Oh, like a persona? Yeah, like a persona. I can't remember that. (laughs) Uh, Whatever (laughs) persona making would actually be helpful. And then, and even name them, and then you can just talk to you know Jill. I I think <laughs> yeah. the reason you could remember it is I I swear there's got to be some sort of math for this. But when you put a microphone in some in front of somebody, yeah. even when you've been doing this for a while, like my <laughs> IQ goes down significantly when there's a microphone. <laughs> about it. Yeah, you could definitely do a persona. Um, a really easy way is to go out there and find. Um speaking of a microphone in front of your face where it's just totally left my brain. (laughs) So you can go out there. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. You can go out there and find like um, your customers. There's like tons of forums or like Mm -hmm. you can look on Amazon reviews. You can look on Reddit um, and go find your customers where they are and where they're asking questions and then just borrow their language. Like you don't actually have to write you can just borrow their language and just edit it slightly to make it fit what you're talking, um, not what you're talking about, but like more your, your style. Right. And um, you can use that language really easily. And then it looks like you're reading their mind because you're mm-hmm. echoing those words back to them. But yeah, you done... can also use like surveys. Hmm. We've oh, done yeah, something definitely. similar with trying to figure out kind of how to write the content where yeah. we'd grab a customer and just one of our customers and say, okay, here's who this emails mm-hmm. to kind of. And that, in that mm-hmm. way, you're saying, here's a good customer. This is who they are and now make the content to them. So anybody who's just mm-hmm. like them, it's going to resonate too. And then you don't have mm-hmm. to try to pick your most, you know, oh, here's our ideal customer. You can grab right. a different customer every creative and say, okay, now let's <laughs> grab this person. Let's grab this person. And you pretend you're yeah. writing to that person and it kind of helps you. Again, it's take the crowd of all your customers, pick one out and just write mm-hmm. to that, that person as if they're, they're a prospect. Well, and I also love yeah. the idea of going to find their language. And so some great places specifically for B2B customers. Um, I mean, you could mm-hmm. probably dig some up on Amazon. Maybe that might be, you know, it might be a little bit harder, but is, yeah. um, what's it called? The, the sky, the Martech. Um, Martech exec. Martech exec has mm. questions. Quora. Yes, um, would be a good place for that. Even Yahoo Answers, maybe Yahoo Answers. I think is a little. I mean, LinkedIn groups is very. uh, Oh yes, and LinkedIn groups stuff like that. It's so obvious we didn't even get there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can use all those places, or like, don't be scared and go talk to your customers. Like, (gasps) talk to the customers. I know it's a revolutionary idea. (laughs) It's radical. I don't know, Laura. But I've noticed with software as a service companies talking to the customers but I'm a is not marketer, their, uh, their thing. Right. I'm a marketer. <laughs> not, I don't talk no. to people. Yeah, I call them. <laughs> no, and talk no. Them, and they're like, sorry, we don't actually have phones and stuff. Uh, That's kind of last century. That's a we have this website and you just go there and do the use thing. Use a live not. chat. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, you, you don't even have to use a phone. Like you could get on a conference call. You could talk to them that way. You could even put like a survey on a thank you page and learn a little bit more about your customers that way. Um, have like an open-ended question where you can get that raw language from your customers and then you can use it right away in your email marketing. I found also events are great for that. I mean, yeah. you go to an event, mm-hmm. you can have a beer with a customer. Well, And you don't even oh, have yeah. to, you know... I, for the small companies, you don't have to pay for a booth to go get this feedback. You can go to free trade shows and talk to, to right. talk to your customers without having the budget to go. Yeah, to exactly. You have a budget and it could be better, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that budget might come after you talk to your customers. Like you never know what they're going to say and how maybe your emails have been missing the mark because there's a disconnect between what you're sending and what your customers want to see. So we talked about going and, and talking to people. What what would you say to them? How do you ask these questions? What, what, just like, so how do you want to be approached? Uh, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> you like, how do you actually start this conversation yeah. to get them to sign up for like an interview? Or what do you say in the interview? What What are the questions to find out in the interview, I guess? Maybe also both. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, to start off the process, you would say something like, um, I'm really interested to hear, you know, what you think of our product. Again, that relevance, make it on their interests and how um, you're interested in their point of view. If you ask for feedback, I found a lot of times people will readily give it to you. Yeah. So if you phrase your request that way, like I am just looking for feedback, I want to improve, I want to make my company better. And because you're a customer, right. you're a vital part of this process. So I would love to like pick your brain and then be sure to put parameters around it. Like people don't want to sign up for like, oh, it, an unknown event. Like, do I have to travel right. across town to see you? Is this going to be online? Is this going to be on a phone? Try it. Like, like, is it going to 20 questions? Yeah, exactly. So if you say like something like, it's going to be like 10 questions. It'll take no more than half an hour. We'll do it over the phone. It'll be quick and easy. And then if you feel like it, you could sweeten the pot and say, in exchange for your time, I'd love to donate you know, $25 to a charity of your choice. I've seen this work really well with this kind of, this kind of question. Oh, that's really cool. I love that. You know, and I do yeah. want to just point out, point uh, our listeners to our other episode with Jeremy Bigger. I believe it's episode number 10 that is all about um, how to get your this feedback from your customers in different Customer ways. Customer surveys, that. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So if this is interesting to you and, and you want more of this, go check out that episode. So cool. Laura, once we've kind of figured out, okay, here's, here's how our customers are talking. Here's how we... Mm -hmm. uh, Here's how we want to approach them. Back to the the nuts and bolts content of the email. Yeah. We've gotten, I think, to the first line, which was hi. Is that right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Everybody's listening has an email up in front of them, and they have down hi. <laughs> um, no, we're just we're still kind of just getting into it. Um, so. Can we go over like a general structure? Right, what for are the elements? Maybe, yeah, like we've, a, we've a gotten, version. I'm sure there's different versions of content, right. but. Yeah, there are different versions. Basically, um, this goes back a little bit to what I was talking about, like your one reader. There, it, This part of this rule of copywriting called the rule of one. And it's, you know, every element of your email has one job, which we talked about. And every email has one goal. By the way, this is all in a blog post on getresponse.com. And Alicia, I'm sure we'll put the link for you guys in the show notes. So you have all the information right there. There's also tons of great examples in that too. So you actually see it happening. So anyway, your email should have one goal. It shouldn't have, you know, go here, go there, directing your email reader all over the place. Right, so don't have um, three different calls to action, basically. You have one thing you want them to do. Exactly. You can have three different calls to action, but they should all lead to the same place. Mm. They shouldn't be um, sending them to your blog, sending them to contact customer service, and then sending them to hit reply, for example. Right. They should all be sending them to your blog to read a blog post. So you can give them multiple ways to get there, but yeah, it's it's got to be one one kind of target they're going to. Exactly. And that makes it super easy to track conversions because you immediately see whether or not that call to action is hitting or failing. And if you're using a couple different calls to action, like what Sky was talking about, you can also see if you get really fancy, I'm sure, um, which, which call to action might be hitting more. Right. I mean, you could potentially just A-B test it in the emails themselves, yeah. right? Yeah, and exactly. If people have nice. multiple things they really want to push, send multiple emails. Like, exactly. yeah. Spread them yeah, out over time a little bit, emails. but don't, don't ruin them all by packing everything into one meatloaf <laughs> right. of an email. Uh, yeah, yeah. And research has shown like when faced with a lot of different options, people, um, instead of making a choice and helping them make a choice easier, they actually do the opposite thing and they don't make a choice and they decide to leave and not buy. So when you limit your options, like three or less options, you're actually helping your email reader make a decision and making their life a lot easier and guiding them to the, to the end goal that you want them to take. Um, if you think about it in your own life, like if someone says, or we could go eat here, or we could eat at Applebee's, or we could eat at Olive Garden, or we could eat at Johnny Carino's. And you're like, dang it, I just want dinner. Like, 
Yeah. Right. Just I just usually yell, pick somewhere. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then I pick somewhere. Back to the spouse thing. And then you, nah. you pick somewhere and the other person says, I'm not feeling that. And you're like, okay. I've gone um, through yeah, five exactly. places that we're not feeling. And you keep saying, oh, I just pick somewhere. Right. I keep picking and we keep saying Or no. there's the, well, I don't know. You pick. Yeah. And uh-huh. you pick though. And then they say, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> exactly. So help your email reader out by like streamlining their options. It's a lot easier to pick from like, two or three options as opposed to like 10 or 20. So you might have a lot of restaurants you could go to, but you really need to yep. pose the question, do you want to eat Italian? And so yeah. here's all the options. Right, yeah. yeah. And then they're your next exactly. email, ask them about Chinese food, but don't put them all in. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So to answer your question, like what do you put in the emails, like the elements? Think about what your one goal is for your email. And then before you write anything else in your email so you might have high at the top write your call to action Mm. and then go back and fill in the parts that will help your reader get to that call to action or accomplish that call to action so that's your goal kind of and you fill in how to get to to there yep yep it's a lot like geometry unfortunately yeah i've written emails before and i start (laughs) the email and i'm writing i'm like oh this is going great i think i have some and then i'm like oh now I, i don't know how to get from this great thing yeah. that I wrote to the next part. Yeah. Well, for those who yeah. like math less, uh, it's also <laughs> kind of like a thesis statement, essentially, yes. but you don't, yes. instead of writing a paper, you're If you didn't like it. math, you'll love thesis statements. <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe you liked English. I don't like math, and yet I did a lot of writing. I like English. Not yeah, math. but it is like a thesis statement. Like, yeah. you, that gives your, your brain like a direction to shoot for, and then you can kind of fill in the gaps. Almost. To me, it sounds very parallel when you're writing a paper or a book, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, All of these same elements are the intro paragraph, basically. And then whatever you're asking them to do would be the rest of it. But it kind of sounds like an intro paragraph. And even in the intro paragraph, the thesis statement is at the end. So <laughs> that would be where the where the, the call to action would be too, right? So, so back to yeah. the anyway. short content thing, when thinking about kind of setting yeah. up your structure and getting things, something, if anybody's listening, wants to do this and send it to me, I will definitely give you props. I've never done it. I've had it posted on my wall many times, something I wanted to do with a campaign. But I've always wanted to write a haiku for, oh. for an email just to when I when I started really getting into shortening emails that's as short as I could get I was like haiku there's nothing shorter than email creative if you can write an you effective you mentioned that in my interview yeah if you can write an effective haiku and I still have never done it no, but yeah, I, I, never I, I keep coming back to it thinking it's I'm not very good at haiku is a problem um <laughs> I need to Google how, how it works with a You're like, I don't even know stuff. how haikus yeah. work. <laughs> but I think that would click with people, just the fact that it is a haiku. And then, you know, it, you're getting a very short message across. Um, so if anybody out there is listening and wants to send me a pitch in a haiku, I'll definitely listen. Mm, that sounds really interesting. But I know we've said, you know, limiting the, the length isn't necessarily, uh, isn't what we're looking for here. We're looking for an effective message, which can be very long, actually. Yeah, or it can be very short. Like if you write a good haiku that's relevant to your reader and I'm sure your chances of getting a favorable response are high. So Make a note. We're sending it out. Haiku campaign. Yep, there you go. For January. My eyes are very big right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's not many words to write, but they're all no. very important. <laughs> Yes, uh, they are. We're going to shelf that for now, Sky. Uh- <laughs> right, sorry, just distracting things here. I, I think about things. I don't actually think about them. I just say them. So. You just say them. Oh, dear. So, okay. Um, so the call to action, we've talked about make it one, not one call to action, but one goal in your call to action. So you could have multiple call to actions, but like they should all be the same. Sending them <laughs> Going to, one to the same place, yeah. right? Going to the same destination, yeah. And can you give us any other tips about how to write a an effective call to action? Ooh, ooh, you're making me think. Um, so an effective call to action is gonna it's gonna tie into what your reader wants. Um, it's not it's not about you, like mm. ever in an email. Um, when I was sending out cold emails. That's how I launched my business was I, I sent out a cold email campaign to launch my business. And my cold email was maybe five paragraphs. So definitely not short, 
And I didn't even talk about myself until paragraph number four. Oh, wow. So the, the rest of the email was totally about my email reader and how, how their life could improve with my help, not said so bluntly, but that was the basic gist. And out of that, that uh, cold email campaign, my business grew 1400%. And one cold email got me $20,000 in revenue. Um, Amazing. So you should have sent out two cold emails at that rate. Right. And how many did you send out of curiosity? I sent out 323, I think it was, or 28 emails. (laughs) I love that. Okay. That's that's a really good ratio. Awesome. So when writing your call to action, like think about, ah, think about what your, your reader wants and how you can help them get that. And then think about how, how they can take the first tiny little step in that direction. I know that sounds like a lot of thinking and not a lot of writing, but it will help you a lot in coming up with a call to action that actually works. So if you're, if you're trying to answer or try to solve a problem that your email reader has, Mm. they're going to be way more motivated to click and to convert on that email and get that pain answered. Yeah, for sure. I think I want to get you a t-shirt that says email marketing. It's not about you. (laughs) I I love it. (laughs) Just that. On the back, it'll say it's not about me. It's not about me. <laughs> it's all about, it's all about, I don't know. Anyway, we're, we'll work on it. Uh, there you go. Oh, dear. Okay. Um, and then, how, you know, finally, how do you sign that off? Do you just kind of, do you generally do a conclusion after the, the last call to action? Do you, are there any like signatures that work really well? How do you end this email? I actually just like to end it after the call to action. Bye, Felicia. Um, no. Yeah. You could say like cheers <laughs> or look forward to hearing from you. Like if you're sending a cold email or, um, you know, hope we can make magic together. That sounds cheesy, but you could that try it. Like, that sounds like a pickup <laughs> line. Although right? I feel like a pickup line would make for really great uh, it could. email marketing content. When working with our sales <laughs> team, I always use the analogy of dating. Because I do feel like we end up talking so, about dating way too much. So, and, and basically, <laughs> like when you're reaching out to people, the marketing part where it gets into marketing is going to a singles bar is marketing. In, yeah. In the singles bar, when or you're the, trying to sell Tinder the product, profile. you're the guy. Yeah. <laughs> you're the guy in the bar, and you're looking for people to approach. And then everything yeah. you do is basically you want that 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 first step, that very next step. You know, you're you see Get somebody you want number. to approach, and and you don't walk up to them and say, "Will you marry me?" You walked up to nope. them. You look for that very next step. You you want to get a give. You you buy them a drink. You like everything is, and then you can be a random person walking up. But if you can be a referral, that's great. Or if you're somebody mm-hmm. who's actually just happens to be there where they are, um, it's great because they're not seeing you as somebody. You know, they, basically people have their guard down. That's why people say, "Oh, meet people at the days. grocery store." If we're just at a singles do... bar, everybody's ready to reject anybody who walks up to them. <laughs> one of these days, we're going to do an episode that's all about the parallels between dating and marketing. Need to because bring in one of those. So true, though. Yeah. One of those it's dating so experts have come in. Nothing to do with marketing, just a dating yeah. expert. I feel like yeah. I might know one. I'm gonna think about this. <laughs> we're gonna bring a pickup artist on uh, for an episode. I don't know about a pickup artist. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. That would be super interesting. But yeah, like when you're crafting your call to action, like don't ask them to marry you. Ask them to take that little step. Like, can I buy you a drink? Mm -hmm. Or can I sit down and sit down in this empty chair next to you and start chatting? Don't, don't ask to get married on the first date. That's, that's kind of skeezy. (laughs) That's like freaking me out. Okay. uh, Right. So what are, any last tips that you have to give to marketers who are maybe, maybe they're awesome at it, or maybe they're kind of fumbling around with their email marketing. Hmm. Don't underestimate the power of the PS. Ooh. A lot of people will read only parts of an email. I'm definitely guilty of this. Like subject line, maybe first line. 
but always the PS. Like I'll scroll. If I open the email, I'll usually scroll to the bottom. And that PS is super important. So use it. People are going to read it. You're going to get a lot of eyes on it. Something else I haven't brought up. How do you feel about, let me just, I'll I'll front load this to kind of taint your answer maybe a little bit. (laughs) I'm in love with bullet points in in emails. How do you feel about bullet points? Oh, dude, bullet points are amazing. They, they really help your, your eye get through the email. And that's something that we haven't actually talked about oddly enough in this episode, but you should, you should write your email in a way that helps your email reader get through it. Visually speaking, like don't have huge blocks of text. Um, that's really, really intimidating for your reader. It's why um, I think about those... my, my emails because I, yeah. I get internal emails and I've tell people, I didn't read your email. There was, <laughs> there was too much text there. I looked at it no. and said, I know this is from you, but, uh, I don't like, care oh, that much to read yeah, it. I say, so... sorry, mom, but you can't write so much. You got to break it up with some yeah. bullet points or something. <laughs> it's hard work to get through all that. Yeah. yeah and, so, well, most people are busy too and they look at it and mm-hmm. even if they're interesting, I found myself saying, God, there's a lot here. I need to get to it, mm-hmm. but let me set it aside for never. And that's what ends yeah. up happening is it gets a set aside for never because it's just intimidating visually. It is. So you can like, don't, don't be scared of breaking up paragraphs that you wouldn't normally break up. Like for instance, use like one sentence paragraphs mm-hmm. or maybe like three sentence paragraphs. You can throw in like kind of a chunky paragraph here and there, but on the most part, you should have like very, very small paragraphs and bullet points are also really awesome because they help break, break up that visual space. And help your reader make it through to the end, which is where you want them to end up. And I think I'll find myself when there's bullet points, it's like having, you know, the, the cliff notes or something like that. Yeah. I'll jump straight <laughs> to the bullet points because I'm like, this probably covers most of what I want to know. Let me just glance at the right? bullet points and see if there's something there for me. Exactly. All right. So something before we wrap things up here, um, something I had down, I like to ask people. Uh, on these things is if you had one marketing superpower, uh, what would it be? Mm-hmm. So if you could, uh, you know, any sort of any marketing superpower. She already has a superpower. Some, some people <laughs> answer with that. Yeah. through email. <laughs> that could be it. Yeah. Check. Um, no, I got this covered. No. Um, that is a interesting question. I was not thinking about that. so i don't know what to say (laughs) oh let me i'll I'll kill some time Uh, anybody who's listened to episodes has heard mine but it it kind of feeds into what you do a bit um but mine is basically to all the new software as a service platforms coming out for for companies all the time that it's impossible to keep up with the martech landscape would be to just always know what those are and and what they do when they when they come out uh, to not have to just know every Martech that's out there at all times and what it does. That would that would be my super boring uh, B2B marketing superpower. I would like mine <laughs> to be, I want the numbers to be downloaded into my head. I'm over like this whole, you can tell I'm like not happy with numbers. <laughs> Somebody's been doing it. I've been a lot of number crunching lately. It's end of year numbers lately, mm-hmm. uh, nonstop. But, um, so I would just love to download the numbers straight into my head so that I could, I love the analyzing. I don't like the collecting or the dashboarding or the connecting of the dashboards. Oh, would they just work? If only, <laughs> if only my tag managers would work the way I want them to and the tracking. Yeah. Yeah. If I could just skip all that and just have the numbers. So basically I need to hire someone to do that for me. Mm-hmm. And then I don't have to have a superpower. I could just have what I want. Woo-hoo! But that would be my superpower. I might have one for you, Laura, if you don't have one yet. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, I think I come out, came up with one. I would like, um, like segments and tagging and stuff like that to just happen. Yes. I don't want to go in and like ah. do the grunt work of like setting up the nuts and bolts yeah. and then making sure it's all working properly. I just want to like a plug and play kind of solution where it just, you insert it and it's done. Oh my gosh. You know, I feel like that's totally possible with the advent of big data. And and then if you could push that into a CRM and someone could do some magic there, I believe that's possible. So if anyone either knows of a solution where that exists or would like to create one, uh, you should look us up. I think, Laura, one of your SAS uh, clients could probably whip that out. I know. There's Seriously. a guy, Brennan Dunn, 
he he's doing something similar with um, drip marketing. It's pretty amazing. I just I just signed up for one of his um, courses where it's a lot of plug and play and wow email funnels and stuff. It sounds really amazing. So I guess this, this kind of ties into what we've been talking drink. about. But I guess when you're <laughs> <laughs> when you're writing your content, um, having something of of interest to people is really important. So for instance, if somebody has yeah. this solution and they send an email, a cold email to Laura on it, right. and and it all it has to do is convey what they can actually do. Because in B2B mm-hmm. marketing, typically there's a problem that you're solving for this person. You're not selling snow to Eskimos. You're selling space heaters to Eskimos. All you have mm-hmm. to do is not F it up. All you have to do is get in front of the right people. Don't accidentally, you know, try to sell space heaters in Texas or something like that. Get actual Eskimos, get in front of them and describe what your space heater is and what it does. And it should be fine. That's downplaying the role that Laura and Laura's work plays. Because to be fair, there's a lot of really bad content out there. Like I might be. Oh no, that's what I'm saying. There's a way to mess it up. But if you if you think about it simply and you think you know, make, so if you're getting in front of the people where I'm like, I don't know your what your product, product is solves. after yeah. I went and like actually hunted down the information and tried to look mm-hmm. and I still came away going like, I still don't and know what you do. I think Goodbye. that's where the creative, the good creative <laughs> yeah. comes in. You have to be able to describe your product in the creative and, and have it be a give. And I guess the point I'm getting to here is if you have a product that people want and you get in front of the right people. They're going to want it. So some people think like, how do I, you know, they're thinking, how do I trick, uh, you know, salespeople, Mark, how do I trick people mm-hmm. into buying my product? Well, that's kind of consumer marketing. Nah. <laughs> this is hey, business marketing. Consumer <laughs> marketing is about what you want right. versus business marketing. You find the people who can need. use your product, who's, who right. have a problem you're solving. You put it in front of them and then, you know, you use everything Laura's been talking about here today to convey that across to them right. properly so that in the short time they have, they look at it, they understand, oh, this solves a problem I have. I should look into it further. What or I it might you solve- say, Yeah, exactly. Is that everyone who's in B2B marketing really needs to be doing what Laura is talking about or hire someone like Laura yeah. to do it instead because well, and if don't they can't fear do it. when you're writing your content, don't fear that these people don't want what you're selling. You have to right. write it for people who want what you're selling right. and then try to convey it to them. You're not going to fool businesses into buying the product that they didn't right. need or want you just you, you have to assume it's why you know start with your client and write for a client assume they want and need mm-hmm. this and you're just trying to make that connection the marketing is just making the connection between the people who need something b2b marketing again i'll keep talking bad about b2c and uh, but the <laughs> b2b marketing is just trying to you know we're matchmakers basically and just think that person's out there and there's somebody for everybody and you're just trying to make the connection between the product that they want need and them you just have to properly present it to them in order for it to click exactly and that presentation comes all the way back full circle to relevance if yes. you if you present your solution as the solution that will end their pain and their problem and tell it to them in ways that they understand they're going to want your solution of course it's like a no brainer because you're going to end their pain but you have to make sure that your connecting the dots for them and explaining how their life is going to improve and why it's relevant to them and, and um, help them imagine what their life is going to look like with your solution in place. Otherwise it's not going to land and people will like Alicia did, you know, be like, what do you do exactly? Right. Help them answer yeah. that. Question. You can fool people with a subject line and get them to open. You can fool them with a really oh, yeah. crafty pitch and you can get them to take that next call to action. But if you don't, make all those things lead towards the person's going to buy at the end, which is why right. I think your, your chain is so great. Cause you're working with software as a service. So you see very quickly mm-hmm. if your creative just gets a lot of activity or does it result <laughs> in business? Right. You, you, your turnaround yeah. is much faster in those products and you can see, Oh yeah, this creative doesn't just get people to open. Uh, it doesn't just get people to click. Um, it's, it's targeting the right people who actually want and need this product, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So we've loved hearing from you. Where can listeners go to learn more if they want to kind of read or listen to more uh, information on this topic? Sure. You guys can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is waiting to be read. Um, Nothing unusual about anything. The two is T-O. Or you can send me an email. Um, I love emails. (laughs) 
Uh, my email is laura at lauralopich.com. It's just my name. Super easy. So Lopich is spelled L-O-P-U-C-H, by the way. But it should be Thank in you. the episode title. So we figured out people. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say if you're sending emails out and you aren't getting people to respond, check out check out Laura. Yes, definitely. Help you out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I will also put up the uh all of the links that Laura has talked about. And if you're interested in seeing the cold email template that brought in 20K that Laura was talking about earlier, you should definitely go to lauralopich.com. And you can find all our information on our show notes, and you can find those at elephanttest.com. And yes, you should type that in and type in the .com because otherwise it will take you to elephant testicles, and that's not as fun. Yeah. Um, so guys, if it autofills that, you're doing yeah, something wrong. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it autofills that for everyone, so careful there. And if you guys have any questions for us here on the show, please email us at elephanttestmail.com. And as always, subscribe, write reviews, tell your friends, and thanks so much for listening. All right, Laura, it's been great having you on. Thanks. Until next time. Thanks, guys. A quick word from our sponsor. Effective marketing starts with good data. At Mountaintop Data, we are experts at developing and maintaining high-quality marketing lists. With tens of millions of highly accurate records and more data being added daily, We're sure to have the contacts you need. Learn more at mountaintopdata.com. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Elephant Test. Check out the show notes at elephanttest.com. Thank you so much for listening from all of us here at The Elephant Test. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.